another week, another screaming from the sidelines. And this is one of the most wild intersections of sports that I can think of in a while. We're like closing in on the NFL regular season, college basketball starting up. Of course, the NBA is in full swing. The World Cup is going on in the winter for once. And I just spent some time watching the Mexico-Saudi Arabia game along with Poland-Argentina, and I was sad to see Mexico get knocked out at the very end. The only silver lining is I guess it came down to goal differential instead of yellow cards because that is a ridiculous tiebreaker to me. My family and I were starting to brainstorm all the other hilarious tiebreakers we could have come up with, like number of letters in the president's name, country population, community service hours spent by the players on the field. I guess it's nice that the yellow card did not end up ruining Mexico's fate, but they are out in the group stage for the first time since 1978, which is brutal. And more positive news, my Gauchos UCSB women's team had a triple overtime win last weekend against Southern Utah. So always good to see coach Bonnie Henriksen and company get to work. A win is a win. You can't complain about it whatsoever. Uh, other positives, the USA going through in the World Cup. Christian Pulisic, or Pulisic, I, I hear it both ways all the time, but whatever it is, he put his body on the line to send the Americans to the knockout round. And NBA, we have Carl Anthony Towns. He's out four to six weeks. What's to come for Minnesota? I'm almost intrigued by this. I'm Obviously, very happy that it wasn't a more brutal injury for Carl Anthony Towns. But this four to six week window is also long enough to see how the Timberwolves are going to adjust. They're going to probably be playing smaller lineups now. Could Anthony Edwards thrive? Is this good for D'Angelo Russell? How will a team that's sort of underachieved and been really underwhelming to start the year, are they going to look better now without Carl Anthony Towns? I wish nothing but the best for Cat in his recovery process with a calf injury, but really, really intrigued to see what's to come from Minnesota. Also last night, we had the Warriors at Mavericks game, which came down to the final shot. Felt like a playoff game, even just from watching it on my couch. Luka Doncic continues his scorching heart start to the season, and the Warriors are starting to wake up a little bit, especially on the road, but Fell just short last night. The Clay Thompson three that would have sent it to overtime uh, fell off the front of the rim. And, you know, battle of the Western Conference final teams from last year. We got a good rivalry on our hands. Let's move into some bets because we have guests that we're going to bring on today. They are all about the New Orleans Pelicans, but NBA Wednesday is busy per usual. So, I realize by the time this podcast comes out, these games will probably already have happened. Therefore, I also put these bets on Twitter. But a few ones I like tonight, Cleveland Cavaliers minus three and a half points versus the 76ers at home. Uh, Joel Embiid should feast with no Kevin Love or Jarrett Allen in the lineup for the Cavs. But the Cavs also have a heavy backcourt advantage. They are a league best 7-1-1 and against the spread at home. That is their comfort zone. I think they're going to be able to score. And the Sixers, just a little too inconsistent for me. I know they have a lot of injuries. James Harden's coming back soon. But I can't fully trust them right now, especially against a team that is very comfortable at home. 
The over-under for this game is also set at a very interestingly low mark, uh, 210 and a half, which usually you're seeing numbers like in the 220s, maybe the high 210s. This is 210 and a half, and I get it. Both teams are defensive-oriented, and the 76ers are starting to get it together on that side of the ball. But this is a lower number than usual, like you see, and Cleveland's scoring 116 points per game at home. So I might see a trap here and just take the over. It feels like with no Jared Allen and Kevin Love to protect the paint, the Sixers might put up more points than usual, even though they are injured. So overall, I'm kind of liking this mark to take the over just a little bit low because we know the Cavs can fill up the scoreboard at home. Other bets, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks play at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. They are minus six. I like the Bucks to win and cover. Look, the Knicks are playing a back-to-back, and their offense has really stepped it up. They've scored 120 points or more in four straight games. I love Jalen Brunson. I think he's been a terrific basketball player, a true overachiever, a true professional, and a great stable leader that this franchise needs. But the Bucs don't make it easy on teams with their defense. And actually, the last time they played in this season, I picked the Knicks to cover the spread and lost some money. Fun stat for you. Worst home team in the NBA is the New York Knicks against the spread. They're just 2-6-1, and one, and they tend to struggle with some of the top-tier teams in the league. I think six points is a lot, but it's also not too much for a Milwaukee team that's starting to get out of its mini slump. Nets versus Wizards at home, also minus six, and I also like the favorite. Now, why? It's hard to trust the Nets, but just like that, they have the top field goal percentage defense in the league, 44.4. That is quite the turnaround under Jock Vaughn and Last time they played the Wizards, they completely dismantled them without Kyrie Irving. He was in the middle of his suspension. But I'm not concerned with whether or not he's playing because Ben Simmons is all of a sudden looking much, much better. I don't think the Nets should have any trouble tonight. It's going to come down to effort. Kevin Durant is playing fantastic basketball. I think he's leading the NBA in total points I saw this morning right now. So kind of flying under the radar of another great season for Kevin Durant. I don't think the Wizards are enough of a threat. I like the Nets minus six, but yeah, I know it's a risk trusting Brooklyn. Last one I have, well, kind of last two. Nuggets minus 11 and a half versus the Rockets. Yeah, I'm going heavy favorites tonight. And you know, if you listen to this podcast, that I don't really like the double digit spreads, but the Nuggets feast on teams that can't play defense. And Houston is one of those teams. By the way, Denver might be getting Bones Highland back in the lineup tonight. Jamal Murray was cooking against the Rockets in their previous meeting this year. So even though the Rockets show flashes of young talent, especially on offense, I don't see them beating the Nuggets or anything close. Uh, If the Rockets can cover the spread, it's going to be Denver beating themselves. And last thing I'll say on this game is that the over-under is 231.5, which is high. But I also would lean the over here because if the Rockets want to be competitive, they'll have to put up points. And I think the Jokic, Murray, and potentially Bones Highland trio could have no problem picking apart a young, inexperienced, and currently struggling Houston defense. So that's what we got on the bets front tonight. Sports are happening all around. 
But enough of me doing all the talking because the first time in a few weeks, we have guests and they are here to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Let's bring them in. Well, let's bring in not one, but two great guests on the Believe Network to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. I am very excited about this because the Pelicans, as some of you know, were very high on my Western Conference preseason list. I think I picked them to finish fourth in the West because I see all that potential. I see the leadership coming from CJ McCollum. But now we got two people here who know a lot more than I do because they are all (laughs) narrowed in on this team from New Orleans. First, we got Daniel Salerson, who is a studio host, does ESPN radio. He's a podcast producer. And alongside with him, we have Rel Myers, who is a co-founder of the Pels 12 and also hosts the Rocky and Rel show. What they do have in common now is that they got a show on Believe called Pels and Whistles. Love the name. It's a lot of fun and it's perfect (laughs) for any fan who can't get enough of the New Orleans Pelicans. I would like to welcome you both to Screaming from the Sidelines and just thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I mean, Pelicans, I put together a bunch of fun little notes on them. Coming into this week, they were just one of three teams, along with the Cavs and the Suns, who ranked top 10 in both offense and defensive rating. They are sixth in offensive efficiency. They got the best fourth quarter margin at plus 3.8 points, uh, also plus 0.4 in the third quarter. So strong second halves. (laughs) The one knock is they're struggling against teams above 500 so far. But if we look at the plus minuses, Brandon Ingram's at plus 111. CJ is plus 102. Zion plus 68. And in fact, every player averaging double digit minutes per game other than Devontae Graham has a positive plus minus. So the potential is there. The Western Mm -hmm. Conference is incredibly tight right now so you can't really get too locked into the seeds but given what's happened with the injury carousel you can't really ask for much more at this point in the season I guess I'll go one by one and for the sake of no weird audio overlap we'll go Daniel then Rel just give me some first impressions or recent impressions of this team look I mean the the thing about this team is right now as we're recording they're 12 and 8 and we haven't seen really a lot of games where all of them have been healthy. We've seen JJ McCollum now miss a few games. Zion Williams has missed a few games. Now Brandon Ingram has missed a handful of games. So we haven't even seen their full potential yet as a team coming together. Obviously they had all the momentum from last year being a team that started one and 12, made it her way into the playoffs after winning two play in games. And, and so now you thought for this year, okay, how are they going to make that leap? Is their goal just to not make the play-in? Is their goal to be a top six team? Is their goal to be a top four team, as you predicted, and get home court in the first round? Where is the trajectory of this team? And right now, for them to be 12-8, and eight, with really haven't had a, a large sample size of all their five starters playing together, it just shows a lot about the depth of this team and what Willie Green's been able to do. You look at guys like Herb Jones that always steps up defensively. Jose Alvarado off the bench has been really good. Uh, Jonas is always stacked there at, at center. So again, all these guys complement each other really well. And I think them sniffing that playoffs last year really kind of helped them give themselves confidence, knowing that if they're healthy, this is going to be a really hard team to beat. Yeah. Go ahead, Ralph. Anything yeah. to add? <laughs> it's like you said a mouthful. Yeah. There's not, not too much I can add. I don't think, but um, yeah, like you said, we're 12 and eight and 
Uh, we like to break things down 10 games at a time. So the first 10 games, um, we were five and five. And then the second 10 games, um, seven and three. So we're definitely trending in the right direction. Um, they're, you know, they, they got some improvements and things they need to work on. But um, again, we haven't really seen a, a fully healthy team for more than maybe 15 of the 20 games. So um, they're, they, there's a lot of upside there. And I can definitely understand why you'd have them at four. I like the number four. I think that's good. That's a good spot to have us in. But um you know, with the West being so, so packed already just a quarter into the season. Um, I'm not sure seating is going to matter so much in the end, but um, they're looking good so far. Right. I mean, it might come down to the final two games of the regular season to determine whether you get a three seed or a seven seed. I mean, it could be that packed in the West. We're seeing a lot more parody. Now it's impossible to mention or to not mention rather Pelicans and injuries in the same sentence <laughs> right now. And one question that I have really for both of you is something I've thought a lot about, which is, of course, Zion is the generational talent. He is the irreplaceable piece in terms of his build, his talent, uh, just the type of basketball player he is. But the way I see this Pelicans team is really CJ is that true difference maker when it comes to winning time. And it's like when Zion gets injured, they can almost go back to what they did at the end of last year that ultimately got them into a playoffs and force six games against the favorite Suns. So what are your thoughts, either of you, just on that philosophy that really CJ is the guy as great and as high of a ceiling as Zion's got? Do you want to? I'll take this one first. You go ahead, um, bro. As, as awesome as CJ is and as great as he's been for us, I think that, that the guy's B.I., I think that he's more the X factor for us. There's There's been a lot of times we've seen where if B.I. missed the game, we didn't really know what our identity was. We didn't really know what to do, what the game plan was without him, I guess. Um, so I would say CJ would be like an interesting pick for that, but my pick would be uh, Brandon Ingram. Yeah, that's a good point, Rel. And you saw it last year. I think, man, the, the record without Brandon Ingram was really bad, like something along like 5 and 14. Like if, mm -hmm. if Brandon Ingram's rolled out, you were in trouble. But that's also without Zion playing the entire season. Mm -hmm. I think they all have unique skill sets when it comes to this team. And I think the goal of all three of them is obviously they complement each other well. I mean, with Zion, what he's able to do with bringing up the ball driving to the lane. His passing has been a lot better. B.I., more of that ISO situation where you give him the ball with 10 seconds left on the shot clock, get him from the mid-range, it's basically locked down for him. And then C.J., you talk about the leader, the point guard, his ability to shoot. So I wouldn't necessarily say that one is has the biggest difference over the other. I just think when one's out, it's how the other two can then complement each other for this team to continue to win. So, I mean, that was the goal for the, all those three guys. You have three guys that have the potential to score 30 plus points each night. So it's a challenge to get all those three guys in the rhythm at the same time. So I don't really know if, if one or the other maybe decides something more, but I, I agree with Rel that BI has been that guy in the last couple of years when he is healthy, when he's not, this team has struggled a little bit, but it's been a little better this year just because they have a healthy Zion for the most part. And most of the team's been healthy off the bench too. So you have had those complimented players that help him out when he's been absent. You know, it's interesting because when you mention the conversation of underrated NBA players, that can become real tired real quick because if you're constantly <laughs> mentioning how somebody's underrated, at a certain point, it's like, are they? I would say Brandon Ingram is one of the more underrated players in this league, and I don't know if some of it has to do with 
took him some time to grow, maybe a little bit of a slow start on the Lakers. He was getting compared to Kevin Durant just because of his build. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, nobody's Kevin Durant in this league. (laughs) Um, But yeah, when he is on the Pelicans and he's fully healthy, I mean, just a guy that can quietly put up 27 points pretty easily. Big piece for this team. Big reason why they were able to win a couple games against Phoenix in the playoffs last year. So Mm -hmm. yeah, he's been going through the cycle, had the concussion. Now he's, Still kind of working through some of the injuries, but like I mentioned a few minutes ago, leading that team in the plus minus category, that's always a really uh, telling stat. I don't think it mm-hmm. is a complete indicator of just how somebody impacts the floor because a lot of it has to do with lineups, but I think it's a really important stat at the same time to tell individual impact in a team game. Now, I also discussed the lack of success against teams above 500 at this point really early on in the season again it's really early but the pelicans right now they're beating teams they're supposed to beat and then sometimes they can struggle with teams that they might end up facing in a playoff scenario Uh, daniel i'll go to you first is this concerning at all or is it just too early in the year i think it's too early in the year um because i think there are a lot of teams that are struggling with teams that are above 500. I think as you can see, there's so much parity in the West right now and how tight it is that I feel like not every team has is at the point or at their potential right now. I mean, look at the Warriors who are 11 and 11. Is that really going to be a team that's right at 500? Dallas is right under 500 as well. Um, when you look at the Pelicans, I feel like the fact that they are beating the teams that they're supposed to is a really good sign. I mean, we saw it on Monday night against Oklahoma State Thunder when you have without Brandon Ingram, without CJ McCollum, without Larry Nance, and you were able to get a win. You're playing guys that are usually DNP CDs. And so even though it is the Thunder, they're a team that plays really hard, have a lot of young talent, and the Pelicans were able to squeak that one out by four points. I feel like that's a much better, I guess, judgment of this team than if they're beating a bunch of 500 teams. is Beating the teams that they're supposed to, and if you go around 500 against teams that are over 500 by the end of the year, then I think you're in good shape. This team had a hard time in the last couple of years protecting home court. They're playing a lot better at home this season. So I think those are the signs we need to look at right now. I think it's a little too early, but once it comes January, February, when this team's in a rhythm, hopefully this team's healthy. If they start not playing well against teams above 500, then you can get a little nervous, but they played a really great game against Memphis at home and then got destroyed against them on the road. So you, you see the signs of what they've been able to do. They beat the Warriors twice, but they were both shorthanded in those opportunities. That's something the Pelicans can't help, but we're able to get two wins against them, which could play a role, you never know, down the line. So I'm not really too concerned about it. I just want to see this team continue to grow and continue to grow by winning, and that's something they've done so far. Yeah, I'm not super concerned. I think that obviously there's a couple of things that we need to figure out, um, even rotational, you know, rotationally. And um, I think that potentially we could be um, buyers at the deadline. So who who really knows how this, the team's going to end up, but – Um, you know, at the moment, there's some guys who just got to stay ready in in the event that they need to get in because somebody's hurt or whatever have you. But um, 20 games into the season, I think we've gotten a decent sample size. And I think that, you know, we we have a really good squad and we have the tools to compete and go to toe to toe with anybody. Um, We just really got to stay healthy. And I think I've been saying since, I don't know, May that that's that would be our biggest hurdle this season is is the health, you know, but and you can't really help things like, you know, stepping on guys foots and rolling your ankle and stuff like that. But um, guys foots, guys feet (laughs) and rolling ankles and things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm concerned, really. I've seen a lot of people freaking out, but it's 
it's still very early and no matter where we end up seeding wise, um, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. You know, in one of my last two episodes, can't remember if it was the most recent or the one before, but the Knicks and Hawks were playing against each other. And I talked about how they have either close to or an identical record. And they are so opposite to me because the Knicks, <laughs> you can kind of trust them to not be terrible. Like Jalen Brunson is an incredibly solid, stable leader, but they're also probably not going to do anything special with the roster as presently constructed. Whereas the Hawks, sometimes they look just horrendous out there mm. and they can't play defense and Trey Young is shooting so inefficiently. But then when they're at their best, you're thinking, this team could be trouble in the playoffs. And the way I see the Pelicans, I see them a lot closer to the Hawks category where, yeah, sometimes they have not looked great. But the fact that you're seeing the potential for mm. them to do big things and be a problem in a playoff series, wearing teams down, especially with some of the impact and the paint on the defensive side, I think that's an incredible sign for a young squad. Now, another question that really interests me about this team is if the Pelicans get into the playoffs, like a lot of times it's the young talent that really blossoms. You know, it's where the boys become men. Uh, for example, Herb Jones just shut down SGA the other mm -hmm. night and SGA is having just a freakishly insane season on the mm -hmm. offensive side. So you got Jose Alvarado, you got Herb Jones, you got Devontae Graham. Who are your eyes on if the Pelicans make a playoffs as an X-Factor young player taking that next step? Ooh. You want to go, Rel? I got one. If Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think it's going to be Trey Murphy in his second year. Trey Murphy is a guy that's really stepped in, especially with the injuries. He's been getting a lot of uh Play, uh, a lot of uh, opportunity in the starting lineup. And this is a guy that not only can shoot the three, but you're starting to see him go to the rim a little more. You're starting to see him dunk on guys. That confidence is there with him. It was one of the things he wanted to work on the offseason was kind of elevate his game and not be just a shooter. And we saw the other night, I believe he scored over 20 points uh, in the win against the Thunder. Um, this is a guy that's oozing with confidence right now. This is a guy that really benefited from having a playoff experience last year. I think a lot of the guys did. You mentioned Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, guys that have never been in the playoffs before, not only getting the two play-in games, but getting six games against the best team in the Western Conference. I think that really helped them this offseason kind of know, all right, now I know what to expect. Here's how we can get to the next level. I think Trey's taking advantage of that. When he's been healthy, he's been shooting really well. And like I mentioned, driving to the rim, I think he could be an X factor as far as when everyone gets back, he's going to be back in the second unit. But he's got to be that spark off the second unit, especially when some guys are on the bench to really keep either a lead or get back into a game. So for me, all eyes are on Trey Murphy. I like it. Uh, for me, I think we're going to continue to see Dyson Daniels get some more minutes. And I think by the time we get around to the playoffs, I think he's going to be huge for us. Um, I don't know if I can say specifically that he'd be like an X factor, but I think his growth will really, um, really play a big part in that. And, um, you know, last season with Herb, Trey and Jose all just suddenly being like these really reliable rookies. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to, you know, to see if that trend will continue with this season's uh, rookie class that we got. I love both of those answers. I think Herb's <laughs> probably the obvious answer just because we've seen it already a little bit last year in the play-in mm -hmm. and playoffs, but bringing up two names, like this is the kind of stuff I want to keep in the archives. So when the Pelicans make it to the playoffs, <laughs> I'll be clipping these videos and putting it out there like they knew from months ago. <laughs>
um yeah. yeah no this it's fun and when you get to speak with people that really dive into a team like that's the kind of things that just really get my gears turning when mm-hmm. i'm looking at it uh okay so back to the present brandon ingram and larry nance are questionable tonight and the pelicans do play the raptors raptors are favored by just a point right now Really interesting slate of games this week. I know they also get to play the Nuggets at the end of the week. But in terms of tonight, or at least in the next few games, what are you looking for from this team as they continue to navigate through this injury? I don't know who wants to take this one first. <laughs> I can go first. All right. Um, so we got Raptors, uh, Spurs, and then Nuggets. Um, if we can get two out of three, that'll be awesome. Um I we were talking about this on our last episode, how I just don't really know a whole lot about Toronto. They're not really a league pass team. I don't really <laughs> I never say, hey, I'm going to watch this Raptors game. But, you know, I know they got some really solid guys that are still there from their championship season and everything. Um, but I'm just looking for us to continue to take care of business and beat teams you're supposed to like the Spurs. They're not a team that should be beating us right now. So we need to go ahead and beat them again. Get that out of the way. Um with Denver, I'm not really sure how we're going to match up against them. There's some nights where it's it's a big Valanciunas night, and there's some nights where it's not, and he plays like 13 minutes. Um, I, I don't know how we're going to fare in that, but, yeah, we just have to keep taking care of business and winning games we're supposed to, and then um, every now and then you'll win some games that you weren't supposed to. Yeah, I think 2-1 and one is obviously the goal here in these three games. Tonight might be the best night as far as getting that second win. I think Spurs should be a win on the road. Um, Denver's a really good team. We've had Denver's number on the road the last few years. I remember going there a few times and they've been on the, but at home, they seem to have some trouble with Nicole Jokic and the rest of the group. Um, but tonight should be interesting. I know Toronto has been hurt a lot, but of course they get all their guys back when they face the Pelicans. That's how it always yeah. goes. When you're, <laughs> when you're looking to get back, they always say, I'm going to circle the Pelicans because it seems like all the stars come back at that time. So Pascal Siakam had a double double in his last game. That's going to be, I think the biggest challenge for the Pelicans is who's going to be that guy that, that guards Siakam. And also Fred Van Bleet always seems to be a problem for the Pelicans, especially from beyond the arc. So I feel like if the Pelicans can get off to a good start again, Nance, I think is going to play tonight, but no CJ, yeah. no BI and no Najee Marshall. So you at least get someone back down low to help out Jonas. Um, he can open up the game tremendously just from rebounds and spreading out the floor. So Pelicans have a good shot at, at taking care of business tonight. I think this would be a nice win for them against a solid team in the East that Again, you can get some confidence boost, a confidence booster, knowing that without two of your best players, you're still able to pull this one off. So I think this is going to be a great game tonight. Toronto is such a fascinating team to me because they don't really have any superstars. I know that Siakam has his moments, but given his injuries and at times inconsistency, I can't really put him in that category right now. But they were the only team averaging double-digit steals per game, at least as of a week ago. They think they have the best turnover margin they really overachieve. They don't really have any shooters besides Fred Van Bleet, yet they find themselves in the mix of an Eastern Conference playoff spot, like middle seed, not playing playoff team. <laughs> so that's a really fun one. I always like kind of keeping a little bit of an eye on that team, even though, as you mentioned, Rel, it's big league pass team, so <laughs> not always getting to see their games. Uh, and then Denver also, like, I would – consider them a true contender to come out of the West, but not as they're playing right now. I think once that guy, Mr. Jamal Murray gets healthy and really starts being consistent, well, we know what he can do. And so Mm -hmm. that could be a real problem, but 
they're sort of like the Warriors right now, where it's like, okay, well, your best players are really good. When Jokic is on the floor, the offense is way better. But defensively, you're kind of a mess. You're kind of inconsistent. And you're presenting opportunities for teams to maybe pounce on that a little bit when they're giving you a better effort that night. So maybe for New Orleans, that's another chance to kind of have Denver's number on the road, like you alluded to, Daniel. And uh, I think two and one would be a really fun week for this team, especially with CJ and the health and safety protocols. (laughs) Now, we keep talking about the playoffs and the Pelicans, and that's where they want to be. Now, I, I guess I very early in the season, so this could totally change within a month or two, and especially by April. But if the Pelicans got into a playoff series, do you have a Western Conference team that you would want to face either for the purpose of entertainment and a battle or a beneficial matchup? And Rel, I'll go to you on this one. You look like you got a good answer. I think most of us want to see Memphis in the playoffs, but I'm sure there's a lot of us that want to see Phoenix again too. Like there's, there's a little revenge that needs to be, you know, that needs to be, uh, get got there. But, um, yeah, it, it's, I think it's a toss up for me between Memphis and, uh, and Phoenix. I think Rel, we're on the same page as we've talked about this on our podcast as well, especially after the last couple of games that these two teams have played, well, I guess not the one in Memphis, but some of the ones in new Orleans, uh, there's something brewing between these two teams. Obviously what stands out is Zion and jaw, but playing on the same AAU team. They're, they're pretty much from uh, the same area. And then you just have the the two teams that are on the rise in that Southwest division that two teams have kind of, I mean, Memphis since jaw has been drafted has just skyrocketed to the top of the Western conference, been playing some really good basketball and the Pelicans have that potential just really haven't reached that yet based on injuries and some of the personnel. And now that they kind of have that core group together. So I know they've had some really tough battles. I know there's been some trash talking going on between the two teams. I just think those two in a playoff series will kind of help keep keep that rivalry going a little bit, light a fire under it, because you don't see a lot of rivalries anymore in NBA teams. I think a lot of players are just friendly with each other, but I want two teams that generally don't like each other. And I feel like we're getting to the point soon where Memphis and New Orleans is going to be like that. So I think for, for anyone that's a big fan of basketball in the NBA, Watching those teams go at it in a seven-game series, I think, would be really fun. Memphis is absolutely a team I want to see in the playoffs, period. Like, I'm <laughs> a big Warriors fan and have been my whole life, and that's a team I think gives me a little bit of trouble and, like, I might lose some sleep <laughs> if they match up, but at the same time, I think that's wildly entertaining. Uh, you mentioned the friendliness, and you want a little bit of lack of friendliness. Memphis has attitude. They are young. Yeah. They're kind of cocky in a good way where they can back it up a little bit, but they still have yet to really get over the hump and reach that mark. So if they get into a Western Conference playoffs, I think regardless of who they play, that's going to be a really fun series. And to tell you the truth with Phoenix, I don't know why, but I'm just not fully sold on them right now. I know they're at the top of the Western Conference. They're managing to win without Cam Johnson right now. Mm -hmm. But to me, They sort of feel like a team that really relies on home court and they can be a little bit vulnerable and that once one thing starts not really going their way, you kind of start wondering if it's going to cascade a little bit. Um, That said, they have the talent. Devin Booker is a true star. So maybe that's a team that can also shut me up a little bit and silence things. (laughs) But uh, Memphis is a real attitude team. And I think if Pelicans and Grizzlies got to go at it, that's the kind of thing I would tune into for every single game. And yeah, man, um, 
Uh, okay, going off of that, is there anyone you would least want to face? Not really. Not, not at the moment. Not afraid. <laughs> not, <laughs> not afraid of anyone. Good I think, attitude. Winner's I think attitude. Pel- Pelicans have some trouble with Dallas. It just seems to be that they have some trouble with Dallas. Um, so maybe that's a team. But I with Luca is always a tough task. But mm-hmm. no, I agree. I, I think the Pelicans are going to be one of those games. It's not just saying that because we both cover the team for the Bleed Network. But I feel like whether it's a two seven or a three six, or if even the Pelicans get home field, I don't. I don't think anyone wants to draw the Pelicans first in a first mm-hmm. round matchup because I feel like they're going to be the team that has the best opportunity to either take a team to seven or potentially upset or just be a team that advances to the second round and, and face a team that maybe has bigger aspirations, but the Pelicans might be standing in their way at the right place at the right time. So I wouldn't really say that there's one team that I'm like, Oh, I hope they avoid, but I would say if there's other teams, I would put the Pelicans on the list as a team that they might want to avoid. Because again, when this team gets in the rhythm and this team is healthy, um, they're a pretty dangerous team. And so we just haven't seen it too much yet, but I think we will come January and February when this team's uh, hopefully contending for seeding in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't wait also, even just for the regular season, to watch the Warriors and Pelicans match up for real. Both times they've just pulled all their starters at the second end of a back-to-back. Like, they do not want to treat the fans of New Orleans whatsoever. The what Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. So... Even in a regular season game, I'd be excited to see how that matchup went down if you have two healthy and non-resting rosters. Right. (laughs) It's been Uh, nuts. And and people are, there's, you know, there's theories, which I would call conspiracy theories, you know, because people are like, what are are they hiding from the Pelicans? And there's maybe there's something they really like about the matchup or they don't really like it. I'm like, I don't know that they're really that worried about us, but it is odd that they would rest all those guys both times. I just don't, I just don't think they care really about the regular season. I think they know that they got to be clicking by the time they get to April and be healthy and ready to go. And wherever seed they are, they're comfortable with that. I don't think they really worry about, I mean, it, it does kind of not ruin, but it does kind of, you know, tarnish the regular season a little bit for some teams that do this because, I mean, when they did the first time, they were on the brink of a, a winless road trip. It was like a six-game road trip, and they still did it. Like, doesn't matter to us. If it didn't matter, then they would play them to try to get one win. So, clearly for them, rest in, in health is way more important right now than, than climbing up the Western Conference standing. So, I think that's where I kind of lay it. But it was disappointing. I mean, there's a lot of people that pay a lot of good money to go see Steph Curry. And the fact that that happened twice here in New Orleans, I mean, that that's the the downfall right now, load management and everything going on with that, especially this early in the season. I think it's kind of disappointing to see that because like you mentioned, the Pelicans really didn't have an, an opportunity to kind of see where they're at compared to the Warriors. So those two wins, yeah, they beat them. But when you look back at it, did you really learn anything from those two wins? Not really. Yeah. You learned that Jordan Poole was going to take about 26 shots, but I don't know if right. much else. And yeah, I can understand the frustration too, because you guys are both covering a team that is not putting out their normal lineups, but not by choice. Like it's mm-hmm. always something, the injury carousel. I think the only silver lining here is that it's early in the season and the Pelicans are staying more than afloat in a really competitive Western conference. But uh, by the time you hit the all-star break and especially after that's when you really want to see the full lineup and going way back to the beginning of our conversation when rel you talked about which tandems of those three stars are going to work the best together i don't think you guys are going to have a clear answer until all three get to play extended minutes together <laughs> yeah 
So, um, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if uh, I got any other questions regarding the Pelicans, but this was all just so fantastic. I got to learn a lot about a team, and it's now a team I'm going to be kind of, for my bias, rooting for a little bit because <laughs> this was a great talk. I learned a lot, and I feel like it's going to be a team that's really fun to watch. Like, who doesn't want to watch the CJ Zion Ingram show come April? So. Yeah. Um, we could end yeah, up being I, a, a guilty pleasure team for a lot of people. Yeah. Hop on board. <laughs> There's plenty of room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. Uh, last note or last thing I'll bring up, I suppose. I, I kind of joked about this with you in the pregame, but what are your thoughts on Anthony Davis talking about a tribute video? Like, I don't know why New Orleans doesn't do that for me. <laughs> it, was a little, it was a little bit just pretending to be not self-aware like i don't i don't really get that <laughs> i don't think he is self-aware I, I don't know no it was it's very weird that he would say that um like it's he knows what he did you know like there's there have been other people that have requested trades and like we love drew holiday we have no ill will towards him you know but there was a certain way to do things and he didn't do it the right way and then he didn't thank us he didn't get a video so we're even you know <laughs> he got what he wanted um, except I don't know how many endorsements he's gotten since he's out there. LeBron's in all the commercials and AD's in none of them. So <laughs> AD's got ruffles. He's got yeah. potato chips. So kudos no to him for that. Those things. No, no one's eating in New Orleans. Those are the only things on the shelves are Anthony Davis's ruffles because no one wants to buy those. But no, it, it's like Rel said, it's like, here's what do you expect? You, you basically sabotaged a full season for the Pelicans when he demanded the trade. Like after that, it was a nightmare just being around the team and everyone had to answer for him. Alvin Gentry, Drew Holiday, he wouldn't speak, but everyone else would have to answer the questions every single night about mm -hmm. is Anthony going to play? Does he still want to be here? Where does he want to go? He joked about, I'll go to any of the other 29 teams when we knew there was only one team on his mind. And then when he don't thank the organization, the team that drafted you and gave you seven good years or six good years, whatever, what do you expect? I mean, there's, there's a way to go at it and there's not a way to go at it. And, you know, I know some, even if you do get traded, some do get tribute videos or whatever, but his situation was not like a lot of, a lot of people. And, you know, we had the Chris Paul situation too, a little bit different circumstances. You kind of understood where Chris was coming from when his trade went down. Um, and heck, even we can understand the circumstances when the AD's trade went down, but it's just the way he did it. If he approached the team in a different way, really not bring it up, wait till the end of the year or, behind closed doors say i'm not going to re-sign here if you want to get the best for me your best opportunity would be to trade me and i'd be okay with that but publicly demanding the trade it just went sour from there and it really ruined just a full season for the pelicans and just i just think it was handled really poorly so no no tribute for video for him <laughs> if it hasn't happened yet it's not going to that's all, folks. That's all, folks. That's, That's all I was going to say about it. It. The heels, it was on the heels of the Portland sweep season. Like, how do you sweep the guys in the first round? And then you lose to the champs in the second round and then say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Like, <laughs> that was, was weird, especially because at that point, and I felt terrible for DeMarcus Cousins for suffering that injury. Oh. But all of a sudden, I'm thinking they are much better without him. Like, AD <laughs> could definitely stay right now. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the, the last thing I'll say is that. I have to admit that the cheddar sour cream ruffles are incredibly <laughs> addictive and a guilty pleasure. They are good. It's just that there's uh, there needs to be another player on the front of it for you to grab. So. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one for yeah. sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Daniel, Rel, 
Thank you so much. If the Pelicans continue to do what they're doing and knock on wood, get healthy, then we're going to have to do this again. But I appreciate all your time and insight and just great conversation. I love when Believe collaborates with Believe. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, for the rest of you, thank you for listening. I hope you made it to this point in the episode. And just don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe. I'll put their social tags in the description of this episode so you can find them as well. And don't forget to check out Pels and Whistles. I've listened to some of the episodes. I know that they like cookie cake, for example. (laughs) So a lot of good little nuggets you can find up in Pels and Whistles. It's a lot of fun. And hopefully basketball continues to be big in New Orleans this year. But until the next episode, just keep screaming. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.